Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. Luke chapter 10 is our text and we're going to start reading in verse 38. And the Bible says that as Jesus and His disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed Him into her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He taught. But Martha was distracted by a big dinner that she was preparing. She came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. But only one thing is worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Flip over in your Bibles to the book of Mark. If you're American, the book of Mark. And we're gonna read two verses this morning, beginning in verse 18 of Mark 4. Mark chapter 18, verse 4. The seed that fell among thorns represents those who hear the word of God. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. Uh, I woke up Monday morning this week in Brisbane and I had ahead of me a travel day as I made my way back to Wellington. I got to the airport very early in the morning, you know, for those ridiculously early trans-Tasman flights. I got to Brisbane airport and if I'm honest, when I got to Brisbane airport on Monday morning, I was stressed. The last five days of my, my life had been incredibly busy. In fact, on Thursday morning, I left my house at 5 a.m. I woke up at 4.30. I caught the plane to Brisbane, made my way to the Sunshine Coast. I had to preach there for the next three or four days. I was introduced to speak on Thursday night on the Sunshine Coast at 11 p.m. New Zealand time. That's when I began my message and then, you know, altar call response, out to dinner afterwards. The next Next day I was speaking twice. The next day I spoke twice. Uh, on Sunday I spoke on the Sunshine Coast, was driven to Brisbane, preached in another church, got back to my hotel room on Sunday night, basically was, you know, kind of worked up after a big weekend, didn't sleep that well, finally got a few hours sleep, woke up on Monday morning, and when I got to the airport, I was thinking specifically about five things. Firstly, that I was really tired. And the week was just beginning. The second thing, if any parent, you know what I'm talking about. I had no presents for my children. Lara, block your ears. She's in the auditorium. I, I, uh, I had a groundbreaking ceremony that I was going to be leading when I got home. Vision night was on Wednesday night, and we're still kind of really giving you know, clarity to our vision for this year. Uh, we have a, a campus pastor's day on Thursday, which requires hours of thought and preparation and clarity for me to do a good job of leading that as people come together from all over the country. And I was just completely stressed out. I was wandering around Brisbane Airport trying to microwave the process of buying presents for my children. 
I don't know if you've ever been in an airport looking for presents for your kids, but it is just the worst place in the world to shop. You think that everything would be cheap, but it's exactly the opposite. I, I saw a teddy bear. I thought I'd buy that for Lara, but it was some kind of boutique teddy bear, and it was discounted to only 75 Australian dollars. I'm thinking, ah, I'm wandering around. I can't find a single thing to buy. And suddenly I realized that if I didn't change something this day and this week was not gonna go well for me. So I began to pray. I found myself a quiet corner in Brisbane airport. I sat down in my little nook. I got a coffee. I sat down. I opened up my journal. And as I talked to you about in the first part of this message, I began to write, three questions on my diary page for that day. I, I, my first question was, what really matters for me today? The second question was, how am I going to focus on what really matters? And number three, what have I learned in the last 24 hours? I wrote down on my list of what really mattered for me that day that firstly, getting presents for my kids was at the top of the list. The second thing for me was just getting the stress and confusion out of my life so that I could be in the moment of dedicating the first ever building I've ever had the honor of being in the process of dedicating. Third thing was to make sure that I used this day for clarity of thought so that I could bless everybody else that was in my week. As I sat there, I could feel this feeling of stress just literally lifting off me. I began to ask myself the question, what meaningful presents could I purchase for my kids? I suddenly thought, well, what are they into? Not what is available out there, but what would bless them right now? And I thought, well, I know that. I know my daughter has got a beautiful charm bracelet. I could buy her another charm for that. She's been asking me for one. Will, with the heat of the summer, really into water fights. I could get him a couple of cheap, you know, water pistols from the warehouse. And then I thought, I'm gonna delegate that task. So I delegated it to somebody else. I got it off me. I pulled out my Bible and I began to read it. As I read the book of Haggai, my life just came alive. And suddenly I realized that, you know what, I, I, I would was putting into practice on Monday what I'm talking about in this series. The difference whether you and I are going to live our lives consumed by a myriad of trivial and relatively unimportant, whether we're gonna let our emotions dictate our lives, whether we're gonna let circumstance and pressure and beep beep on our phones and emails and to-do lists decide our internal state and what we get out of our day, or whether we're gonna truly take over our lives from the pressure that tries to come against us and live the life that God has got for us. This is our Martha dilemma. This is our problem that Martha finds herself with the most awesome opportunity that a person can ever have in their life on this planet. To sit at the feet of our Savior, Jesus, and to listen to His words. Yet the Bible tells us that because of all of the stuff that was happening in her world, she was distracted from that amazing opportunity. And don't throw her under the bus because although I reckon a lot of us think that we are Mary, I reckon every person listening to this message today would put up their hand with honesty and say in the last seven days, one of your devotional moments was truncated or even completely not happening because of pressure that came your way. 
Can an honest person just say, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Everybody else is a liar who didn't put their hand up. (laughs) This is our weeds problem. That we start our lives with a great seed that is in you. Your life counts. Every person hearing this message has a seed, a divine seed. A reason why you exist. You could call it a seed. You could call it a gift. You could call it a talent. You could call it your life purpose. Whatever way you want to label it, everybody in this room has been put on this planet by a designer God who intentionally made us so that we could do something great for Him. Yet the Bible is so accurate when it says, although there is a seed, the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things also spring up and the essence, the core The reason why that life exists often gets given away as the pressure of life happens to us. And in this series, that's what we're focusing. That's our topic. We are wanting as a church community to say, man, we don't wanna be the kind of people who get worried and distracted by many things. God's will for us is not that all the other weeds choke out His divine seed. God's will for us, His people, is that we would live different. God wants us to live a life that truly counts by knowing what is important, by designing our lives so that the trivial and unimportant does then not stop us from focusing on what is important. And I believe that you and I, we can find the life that God really has for us by three simple things that are gonna come up on your screen Hopefully. The first one is by knowing what really matters. Secondly, by accepting, accepting in our heart of hearts, in the core of who we are, that everything else is unimportant. Once we know what is important, we then can't just continue attaching the label of some degree of importance to everything else. If we wanna do that, we're gonna end up with a million things that are important and nothing that really therefore is important. And the third thing we must do is live our lives for what is of true value and importance. And what Jesus is saying in both of these passages of of Scripture, guys, is He's saying that, that the most crucial thing that you and I can do as His followers is know what is really important for us in life. That's why we put this whole series under one great kind of summary statement, knowing what is really important is really important. If we're gonna live any kind of life that we're gonna get to the end of it and say that was a great life and I'm glad that I lived it, then we need to start today by asking ourselves the question, what is really important for me? And then live our lives in line with it. And if the Scriptures bear out for us anything as a massive theme, it is that because of our worship of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we are the ones who have the opportunity to distinguish between what is unimportant and what really is important. Our Bibles are filled with this theme. Whether you even just get into the first pages of the book of Exodus and God begins to speak to the Israelites. In fact, sorry, let's go all the way back to Genesis and the first chapter where God blessed the seventh day, rested from His work, and then in the book of Exodus, put it in His 10 most crucial laws for us to know. In the same equal level as you shall not murder and you shall not commit adultery, He said, 
said, stop your normal work one day a week and focus on me. Why did he say that? He is saying that because if we're not careful, the trivial and unimportant will consume you every waking moment of every single day. Every sleeping moment will be given to just, you know, the, 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 the reactionary, you know, pressure that comes from our phone that's beside our bed. And if we're not careful, we never take the time to stop doing and start being. Our our Christian life is a life where we understand there is a massive difference between the amount of preparation that needs to go into the meal and the value of the people eating it. Where there is, there is an eternal difference between the weeds that the Bible gives us a definition of, by the way. It, it describes the weeds. If you're a gardener out there, you understand as I do and as Jesus did, but he was confused for a gardener. He called the father a gardener. And weeds are just things that you pull out because they're in the way. And he said the things you pull out that are in the way are the worries of this life, the lure to get wealthy, and the desire for other things other than the seed of destiny that is in your life. And he's saying you cannot let the weeds stop you from focusing on the seed. You can't let the doing trump your being. You cannot be more concerned if you're going to be a follower of Christ about your clothing than you are about your character or even give them equal importance. You can never let the action be more important than just the process. God is saying if we're going to be His followers, then we must be careful that we always, always, always come back to what is of essence, what is of primary importance. We must know what really matters. When I was 19 years old, um, I was at home at my parents' house on a Friday night, and I was in prayer. And while I was praying, I had an experience that forever changed my life. And in this message, I want to talk to you about three of those. Um, and in this one, I was in prayer, and the manifest presence of God came so thick, so heavy, and so powerful into my parents' bedroom, I mean, my parents' lounge, that I sat on their couch. I was overcome, like my spirit had been taken away, like I was just in the presence of God. And I asked myself, looking back, an amazing clarifying question. I said to myself, what would I do if Jesus was to stand in this room right now? To be honest with you, that seemed like a tangible possibility. Like it was so manifest that I thought he might just show up. And then I thought to myself, well, if he did, I would quit my job at the insurance company. It's not what I want to do with my life. And I would go full time in the ministry. And I knew that in my heart was a calling. And I knew that what God had for me was to inspire revival fire in a new generation of New Zealanders. And I just said it out loud. That's, that's what I would do. And then I felt for the first time in this whole encounter, like God spoke to me. And it wasn't a voice, but it was a knowing. And I felt like God said to me, what are you waiting for? 
And you know, within three months of that encounter, I started doing this, and I've been doing it ever since. And I began to think about that as I was preparing the series, kept thinking about it as I've been working my way through the series, because I am so thankful for one moment of divine encounter and for the clarity of life and purpose and activity, it pulled out my weeds. It delivered me from a Martha spirit. It stopped me spending my life in many equal portions of energy and caused me to put everything about my life and future into one direction that because of that, it has truly borne fruit. Now, I'm not saying like I was delivered forever and my life is easy and I have no ability to succumb to pressure. No, I preach this message because I've been, it's been helping me as this series and now it gets to hopefully help somebody else. But the truth is, my friends, we need to stop in our lives, ask ourselves the question, if you had a divine encounter with God, would it change the direction of your life? If you got a health prognosis that was negative this morning, would it alter our priorities? If we were to truly examine our lives, would we say that we are worried and troubled about many things or that we have found the one thing? The one thing. Martha, you are worried. You are upset. You are troubled. You, you spend your emotional energy, your mental faculty on so many different things. And the difference is that sitting right here is Mary. And what brasses you off about Mary is she's actually worked out how to live a different kind of life that isn't filled with anxiety, that isn't permanently stressed out, that isn't just spending itself in the pursuit of a whole lot of activities. Martha is working on her. She is being rather than just doing. And I don't know about you, but I reckon that God's got a better kind of life for us than sometimes we feel like we are living. It's important that in life we just take a moment and we just pause. Um, I read this book recently that was talking about the word priorities. And this word is just so... Uh, Interesting, because the word priorities is literally less than 100 years old. You think, how can a word be so new? Well, the, the, the truth is that since the 16th century, there has been a word priority. And literally, the word priority means prior to. Establishing one thing that is, because it cannot be plural, this is what I will do before I do that. And then through our industrialized world and our, you know, our, the onset of multitasking, we now have a whole generation that think it is fine to have 10, 20, 30 priorities. And because of this, we are trying to do all these things in our lives that rather than just asking a much tougher question, what is the one thing? Now, I, I do a lot of pastors talk. I, do, I, I travel literally in many nations around the world speaking to church pastors, and they always ask me about the growth of our church and how we've been able to sustain what God has been doing through Arise. And one of the things that will always come up to it is a little discipline that we have around Arise where we're in seasons of frenzy because our church gets frenzied all the time. 
Are we busy? Yes. Yes, we've always been busy. I've never had a week where I've walked around the office and said, how's everybody going? And they've said, I've got nothing to do. But I want you to know that even though we've been in the middle of that, one thing we've always done, and I remember doing this for the very first time in our second church office on Lambton Key in Wellington in like 2005 or six, grabbing a few people together, sitting in a room, because they were all like, just, you know what I'm saying? When, have you ever tried to talk to somebody and they're not there? Does anyone know? Anybody tried to talk to me and I'm not there? Put your hands down, please. And they'll be like frenzied and I'll sit down and I'll just say, okay guys, we're gonna talk about all the things we're doing and then we're gonna talk about the one thing that's most important. I reckon there is no greater thing that you could do with your life today than to ask, out of this day, what's the most important thing? Because if you don't ask that, you're gonna be in the middle of some amazing moment and then get split between the moment you're in and a distraction that is coming your way. You're gonna be thinking about the fact that you know, you've got all these things that you, know, you wanna do, but right now you have the opportunity to be in a church service. Have you ever thought about the fact that even in, across six campuses, there will be literally hundreds of people who should have come to the service this morning? And I'm not guilting anybody, but what I'm saying is, because of a Martha spirit, because of the weeds of life, a lot of people who should have found their way to an environment of corporate worship. You ever thought about the fact that there are probably a bunch of people out there, I reckon hundreds, who are 15 to 20 minutes late to this church service? Why? Because somehow we allowed the amazing opportunity of corporate worship to play second fiddle to something else. And if we're not careful, we just live our lives not realizing one of the best things you can do for your life is just ask yourself, what is the first thing? Then what is the second thing? Then what is the thing after that? And if we're not willing to ask it, then we need to just admit the weeds will overtake the seed and the Martha will overtake the Mary and we will spend our, if you want a great quality of life, if you wanna get to the end of your life and say, I'm glad I lived this life, then start this moment by saying, I am gonna decide what is of primary importance to me. I'm gonna make that decision right here and right now, play this movie out to the end, get to the end of my days and say, I did what I wanted to do with the life that God gave to me. What really matters? What really matters? What really matters? Oh man, we're gonna get into four statements. I'm gonna skip a bunch of my notes. I wanna give you before we finish this morning, four essence statements. We're, gonna we're talking in this message really more about how you can go big on your essence. Because life is gonna tell you, be balanced. Try a whole lot of things. Listen, I've been married. This is Valentine's Day. And uh, you know how, how awesome is Valentine's Day? I love it. I have two Valentines. I have, I have my, my dear wife and my beautiful daughter. And uh, you know, I love Valentine's Day. But Jillian has been my Valentine for 22 years. 22 years. She's been my Valentine. You know what's amazing about that? As a lot of people would have said that when I was, you know, 22, I think, and she was 19, that we shouldn't have, you know, made a lifelong decision at that age. But we should have just maybe just tried a few more other people. And whether it's relationships or whether it's career, whether it's, whether it's I, I don't know, but 
everything is about, well, travel before you settle down. We'll do this before you decide that. Well, you know what? I just don't believe that that's the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is when a pearl merchant found one pearl and he knew that it was of great value, he went away and he sold everything that he had and he bought that one pearl. When when a guy found treasure hidden in a field, he covered it up, he went away, and again, he sold everything he had because he had finally worked out what it was of true value and absolute importance. The Apostle Paul said, whatever was to my profit, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. I consider them dog dung that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. I wanna know Christ, the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him into His death so that I then may attain to the resurrection of the dead. He's saying, I've worked out what I am gonna go big on in my life. And God wants you and I to work out what our essence is and then live our lives in line with that. Four in essence statements that I believe you and I need to make. Number one, I can do anything, but I cannot do everything. I can do anything, but I cannot do everything. Um, I learned this one in the journey of a rise because you know, when you're a, a Kiwi kid with a dream to be a preacher, and you've only ever been in a church with 100 people in it, maybe 200, the largest church services we, I was ever part of before I planned a rise, maxed out at 280 people on a Sunday morning, including children, babies, you know, unborn children, everything we could count. <laughs> a dog in the foyer, we got to 282. We counted it all. And then when a rise began to grow and, and truly take off, you know, suddenly people began to ask me to share about our story. And in 2011, I had what should have been the most amazing year of my life. I preached at Hillsong Church for the first time, did large pastors' conferences, large pastors' conferences in New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, America, the United Kingdom. And it was like, this is, this is the dream. And I got to the end of the year and I was completely disquieted. I went away on holiday and while I was there, I was just, spending many hours just trying to pray and get some clarity because what was working wasn't working. And I wasn't feeling right about it. And while I was away on holiday in the January of 2012, God spoke into my heart and He said to me, would you give up the world to win one nation? Would you put a line in the sand and would you say that if you get asked to do all those cool and exciting things with travel and airfares and stuff, would you, would you give that away in order to win a little village community in New Zealand and dedicate your life and energies to one thing? I will never regret saying yes to the Lord. I will never regret realizing that with this life that God has given me, I can do anything, but you just can't do everything. We want life to be about both ends, and it isn't. If you and I want to live the life that God has got for us, we need to quit our addiction to multitasking, quit our, our thinking, time boxing, you know, quit, quit this notion that you can care about what people think and what God thinks, that you can go after the things of God and the things of this world, that you can make your house look pristine and have quality relationships with your children. You know, you, we have to decide, come on, 
We have to decide what is really important and then just decide, you know what? There might be a little window of time in my life and I can speak with authority because I'm coming out of it. My kids do the dishes in my house, hallelujah. But there might be a season where the garden doesn't look like I want it to and I get home from work and the house is in chaos. But you know what? I can do anything, but you can't do everything. So what is really gonna matter for you in your life? And friends, if you and I don't make that, then we are signing our lives up to be a Martha. We have got to decide. You know, my, my kids play that game, what, what would you rather do? Have you ever seen that? What would you rather do? What would you rather do? Would you rather eat worms or a cow poo? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I think there are moments when you and I have just got to sit down and ask ourselves that question. What would you rather do? What would you rather do? If there are two things in front of you, what is the most important? What are you willing to not do? What are you willing not to care about? What are you willing to go without? Because if I've ever seen a person get overwhelmed and taken out in life, it's because they did more than they were graced by God to do. I can do anything, but I cannot do everything. The second, I think, statement we've got to make is out of everything I have to do, very few things really matter. Out of everything I have to do, very few things really matter. This is a massive statement to make because out of all the stuff that's gonna occupy your life, only very few things really matter. You know, the temptation is that maybe a young person would switch off right now and say, well, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna listen to this because obviously I don't have children, I don't have, you know, stuff and I don't have a career yet. Listen, what a powerful thing you could do than to realize that you have one life and you could start living that life at the age of 11 or 14 or 18 right now and make your life truly count. Do you have any regrets in life, John? Yes, I have many, but here's my biggest regret in life, that I did not find Jesus and go all out with a total passion and abandon to Him younger than the age of 18. Um, you know, I, I was in a gym in Thorndon uh, several years ago when I listened to a podcast that changed my life. The podcast was by a man by the name of Andy Stanley on his leadership podcast, and it's entitled Choosing to Cheat. When I listened to this podcast, uh, you know, Arise, when it started, was small, and I really enjoy the people side of our church. I really enjoy getting to know people. I, I, I'm naturally a connected leader. I don't like, you know, the distance that size can bring, but either I'm gonna care more about winning an entire nation or about personal comfort, and that's a challenge for all of us, by the way. But, you know, they reached a point where, you know, if you've got 100 people in the church, then one person's gonna have a bereavement and another person might have a serious illness. But if you've got several thousand, then it just multiplies. And they got to a point where I just wasn't able to be across everything that was happening in our church, but I was still trying. And I'd, I'd be going up to the hospital all the time because man, they, they've been with, I, need to, I need to go see them, I need to do this. And, and people thank you a lot for that stuff. It's easy to feel good about it but I had two small children that were at home who often wouldn't see me and a life that was just increasingly getting busy. And I listened to this podcast and Andy Stanley said, he said, 
that he'd been in a counseling situation with a pastor and the wife was saying he's never home. And he said, well, the, the needs of the flock and the people and all the stuff. And so Andy Stanley hands this man a pen and a piece of paper. And he says, well, I want you right now to write a letter to your children. And I want you to tell your kids that you care more about the church than you care about them. So that they won't spend the rest of their lives waiting for their dad to finally come home. And then he landed it with the statement, everybody chooses to cheat. Everybody chooses to cheat. You'll cheat somebody, but you've got to decide where the best of you is going to go. Well, I didn't have much of a workout that day at Body Works in Thorndon. <laughs> but I'm telling you what, my life forever changed. No. No. Will you be at this 21st birthday party? I'm sorry, but no. No, I'm already away two nights a week and I just can't come. No. Will you be? No, I'm sorry. I can't do that. Now, we still care. Our church is still a loving community. We will never, ever, ever stop caring for every person in our church community. That is what Arise is all about. But we're going to multiply that out to other people. But listen, out of everything you have to do, there's only a few things that are really important. The third thing that we need to say, and I'm, I'm going over time, but where I am going is more important than what I am doing. Where I'm going with my life is more important than I'm, what I'm doing with my time right now. Everybody's going to have a lot of stuff that is going to come at them. And if we're not careful, we're going to get caught up in what we are doing and lose sight of where we are going. One of the things I love about studying, studying the ministry life of Jesus, listen, if you're a leader, if you're a person with, you know, in the business field, if you're a person with any kind of professional pressures or a calendar, study the life of Jesus and look how He navigated pressure. Because the Bible says that Jesus rocks up to a town one night and when He arrives in the town, the Bible says revival basically breaks out. Every sick person is coming to Him. Every, all those who are demon possessed, they're all being healed. The house is full. There is a crowd in overflow outside, leaning through every window, trying to get to Jesus. Finally, the revival service quiets down and people go to sleep. And then the Bible says about Jesus that early the next morning, before anybody else had woken up, Jesus went out to a solitary place and he began to pray. His disciples came out and they found him. And they said, Master, everybody is looking for you. Listen, just because everything's going well, don't take your sight off where you are going. And his response to them in Mark chapter 1, verse 38 was to say, we must go on to other towns as well. And I must preach to them too, because that's why I came. Jesus never stopped evaluating and prioritizing. He kept his eye on what was really important and he knew where he was going. Knowing what is really important is really important. Our highest priority is to know our highest priority. And number four, the fourth one is the band come and join me up on stage is that my life has a purpose and so does today. My life has a purpose and so does today. You know, one of the people I'm, I'm really thankful for in our church, you know, we, we, we purposefully seek out 
counsel and advice for every area of Arise, every single area, internally and externally, because safety comes from a multitude of counselors. And one man that I'm so thankful for who's been a counselor to me is a man by the name of Dr. Sam Chand. I've met with Dr. Sam four times for lengthy one-on-one time as he's counseled me about life and leadership and you know how about, about how to keep a rise going. And you know what is amazing about Sam? I know what's gonna happen next time I sit down with him. He's gonna start every single time by asking the same question. When you get to the end of your life, what do you want to be remembered for? Four times I've sat down with him. One, the first time was the first time we met. And every time he will begin with, when you get to the end of your life, what do you want to be remembered for? And I believe that that might be one of the most powerful questions because my life has a purpose. And you know what? So does every single one of ours. Your life counts. And it's not just living for that amazing sense of purpose out there. It's thinking about your life today, right in here. So does today. One of my favorite passages of Scripture that I just, I just come back to, and, and as I've come back to the series, I've been coming back to it again, is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, where the Bible says, can you chuck it up on screen? Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. The words opportunity and days are actually two Greek words that denote for us time. The word days is the generalized time word that Greeks used, and it means chronos. It's the word chronos. Chronology is derived from this word. The word opportunity is a different Greek word, and it's the word kairos. Kairos. The word kairos has a sense of specificity to it, a sense of God's favor to it a sense that there are specific moments in the gradual chronology of time that are of very big importance. The difference between the person who pulled the weeds and the person who never bore fruit, the difference between the Martha and the difference between the Mary is just a difference between whether we get sucked along with Kronos or whether we live in the Kairos. The moment, the day, make the most of the second, this hour, this, this message, this opportunity. You had to be in church. Make the most of that. Make the most of the people you're going to see in that foyer or just get sucked up. Come on, does anyone know what I'm talking about? And I believe that this message might just help some people. This series, I'm praying, it's going to set people on a new direction in life that we will ask ourselves some real questions and that we will live a kind of life that we get to the end of it and we're glad that we lived it. Come on, every campus, can you stand to your feet together with me? Come on. Jesus, we love you. Could you close your eyes, every single person? Let's just take a minute. Thank you, Jesus. What would you do if Jesus stood before you?
when you get to the end of your life, what do you want to be remembered for? What in this day actually counts? And what's the other things that just try and distract us? Father, I pray that you would arrest us to discover the essence. I pray that we would listen to your counsel and that our lives would be amazing. Father, we thank you for your presence. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.